We're not going to the video store. We have single white female at home. We watched Body Language, which means it's time for another Portland at the Movies. In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty, all that stands between a city and a disaster, in a city where anything can happen, if you thought you had seen it all. Betsy, if you want to survive here without pulling your pantyhose down, you damn well better pull them up. Hello and welcome to another episode of Portland at the Movies. My name is Todd Workoven and with me as always is Mark Middleton. How are you, Mark? I'm really well. I kind of like this movie. Fresh off of body language. <laughs> um, and rejoining us after a brief hiatus is Brian the Unipiper Kid. How are you, Brian? Good. That's right. You can't always say an always with the Unipiper anymore. <laughs> Mostly with the Unipiper. <laughs> with our your triumphant return uh, with the movie Body Language, uh, which is a 1992 TV movie. It didn't, I couldn't find if it was for a specific lifetime. Where, see, yeah. now I always look and I could never find that. But you I, guys always I just found to... it in comments uh, oh, of, okay. of the movie on YouTube. Oh, okay. Like, okay. I love, this is one of my favorite lifetime movies. I okay. mean, it's, it's either Lifetime or USA always. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't quite sexy enough for Lifetime, I thought. <laughs> so I thought maybe it was a USA uh, a deal. But yes, the 1992, not at all. Like the Bridget Fonda <laughs> movie, Single White Female, uh, Body Language. I, I like what Mark called it. What did you call it, Mark? Uh, single White Corporate Female. <laughs> yes. <laughs> reminded me of that Futurama joke uh, that was the Ally McBeal show, which was Single single Female Lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yes, this is very much a takeoff of, um, of Single White Female. What year was Single White Female? 1992. So I imagine this came at oh. the end of 1992 because <laughs> that movie was a huge, I remember a huge, huge hit. hit. Um, yeah. So yes, Heather Locklear is in this. Uh, Linda Pearl, who I'm not familiar with, but has an IMDb like 10 miles long of <laughs> she was, stuff that she, she was does. She was Pam's mom on The Office. Okay. That's, yes, that's I do remember seeing that. A lot of that. people know her as. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Fonzie's she's a, girlfriend in whoa. later later episodes of... Uh, Holding um, his hand uh, as he jumped the shark. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. It started like epi- uh, series nine. Or, or. Uh, yes. And also starring Portland at the movie icon Russ Fast. And what's even more amazing than that is that Mark we purports, we can't say for sure that he found, usually when we find Russ Fast, <laughs> we can't figure out which one he was. Mark has found him and uh, we are now looking at Russ Fast. Yeah. And so... Uh, he plays the credit manager at the uh, at the Boutique department store, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah. So all hail Russ Fast, who for some reason maybe it's just because he had changed his uh, IMDb photo as he aged. I pictured him older, but I guess this is way back in 1992. So we'll have to well, revisit his his IMDb to see just how many now that we've done of his and how many are left. Yeah. Um, before we get in, though, you guys want to start with a little bit of news? Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. I got a couple things to share since it's been so long. So yes. Talk to you. Um, so I just came here. I stopped at Walmart on my way over. Okay. Um, and uh, I, you, you probably know why, and we'll get to that shortly. Yes. But w- while I was there, I did find something to tie into the show. Ooh. Um, I picked up a magazine, and um, here, check out. Why don't Todd? Why don't you? Rust fast times. Why don't you read this? <laughs> Rust fast weekly. Close, close. Read this little blurb from the magazine that was on the shelf in Walmart. Kurt. The, 
Okay. Yeah, read the bio. So it looks like a it's a, a, a bio of several people, it looks like, on a couple pages. One of them is Kurt Hansen. Uh, it says, as Elgin Perkins. The role, diabolical tycoon Elgin Perkin is, quote, the richest man in Astoria and has wicked plans to acquire the land of the goondocks to turn into a golf course for the Astoria Country Club, including a portion, the portion on which the Walsh, uh, Walsh family home sits. Hansen recalled Spielberg giving him notes on the set's us on the set Steven of course was directing second units and directed me in the senior jerk alert scene where are they now the actors film credits include praying mantis 1993 harvest of fear 2004 which we've uh, done on this show path of evil 2005 which was all done Uh, he also guest starred in the comedy sketch of portlandia and hosted fashion news live before appearing in a parody series documentary now so oh wow yeah kurt hansen it was pretty crazy to pick up a magazine and read path of evil but yeah path of evil yeah <laughs> and so it, he was on portlandia you were on portlandia so you are now i was uh, on portlandia as well portlandia so as well. there's a triad one, of one of, degree of separation <laughs> from kurt hansen from the goonies and others so um, wow yeah and then yesterday so uh um i was at the coffee beer festival yesterday okay which was over at the uh, uh, bud clark's goose hollow inn and uh, I was there just uh, enjoying one of those coffee brews. And uh, this man comes up to me and uh, it's like, uh, hey, uh, uh, Portland at the movies, right? And was, yeah. <laughs> and so he introduced himself uh, as a fan of the show and says uh, he always listens with his wife. And they always follow along and watch the movies that we present. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. What a we treat. We are sorry. That is my <laughs> that is my dream that somebody actually does that. What a, what an early birthday gift for me that was. So, so uh, hello, John, uh, if you're listening. And uh, apologies for, for this one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, that's very, very cool. That's what I, exactly what I do with How Did This Get Made. So that's, that's fun to hear. Yeah. Um, so how did you stumble upon, do we want to get into the movie or do we want to go uh, into do we want to start with the treat we will Wait, start so let's start, start with the with treat, the treat. not <laughs> not related to this at all not related to this at all but depending on i guess it'll probably be the highlight of the show on how i was gonna say it's either gonna be all uphill or all downhill from here so a couple weeks ago brian you had in in our group chat posted that you had found um some ice cream by the company van leeuwen a fantastic dutch name uh, one of which, which is mac and cheese ice cream. Uh, not just mac and cheese, but Kraft. Kraft, so Kraft okay. Mac and cheese ice cream. And uh, a while ago on the Mark and Toddcast or other podcasts, we had tried the mac and cheese gummies and they were like a lemon citrus thing. And so I was like, oh, is yeah. this the same thing? Apparently this, d- and you did a taste test on camera for us and you purported, <laughs> purportedly this is delicious. So you have Kraft mac and cheese and... Dill pickle French oh. ice cream, both from Van Leeuwen. So, and you and you and your wife said you both enjoyed them. So, let's 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 both try uh, this one first. The mac and cheese. Oh, it's it's I nice and soft. I think that's yeah. Sorry, it's a little melted. So it. Oh, what was that noise? Sorry, <laughs> that was the Mark's <laughs> delight button from a dessert. So it does have obviously the creamy feel of ice cream. And it does taste like a little bit of the mac and cheese powder. It tastes exactly like the powder. Like they just dumped the cheese powder. Yeah. I I love it. Yeah. It's... uh, Now, would you sit down to eat this like now as a treat or is it like a for what it is? Like for me, for what it is, it's not as vile as I thought, but I couldn't ever picture myself 
like at night when I have my ice cream sitting down to the mac and cheese. You probably want to get high first. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so um, I was a latchkey kid, as most of us 80s kids were. And um, my go-to meal in the, in the evenings was crap mac and cheese okay and there was at least there was one time it wasn't i did not do this multiple times there was one time where i did not have milk but i had already started the process sure sure but i did have vanilla ice cream oh great idea so i used vanilla ice cream as the milk and i found that to be pretty terrible And this is not. Uh, wow, is not nice. Terrible. Yes, I've done that before. I'm making making some kids mac and cheese and realize you had no milk. And I'm like, well, like <laughs> coffee creamer it is. <laughs> okay, All right, now we're going to try the dill. the dill pickle. Oh, that's too big pickle. of a bite, I think. Everyone likes pickles here, I guess. Yeah, yeah they're okay. It's remarkably dilly and uh, slightly pickly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it tastes like dill pickle ice cream. To me, it tastes like what... Um, Dill pickle scratch and sniff sticker. Yes, and yeah, that's yeah. what I was picturing in my yeah. head, the taste of those scratch and sniff snickers. Yeah. Yeah, again, I, it's not like my wretch-inducing like, like stunt flavor, no. but it's not something I would want to eat more. It's it's of. not tart like a pickle. Sure, uh, sure. It's still sweet. Almost like a bread and butter pickle. Yeah. But which dilly, one, yes. uh, which one would you pick if you had to sit down with a little cup? Probably the dill pickle because I like wow. vanilla-based ice creams yeah. in general. Yeah, the mac and cheese for me, of course. Yeah. Wow. Well, that was fascinating. Yes, Van Leeuwen's limited <laughs> edition. What is this brand? I feel like they just came out of nowhere. I and know, and they have very nice packaging, so I don't know if there's... And, uh, oh, and, oh. and if you see them on the stores, uh, store shelves, they have like 20 different flavors, and they're all like Premium. slightly off-kilter flavors, yeah. like uh, champagne and uh, spicy honey and things like that. Right. Yeah, interesting. The, oh, since 2008, was born in a yellow truck on the streets of New York City. New York City! <laughs> uh, get a rope. Get a rope. <laughs> Gosh, we're so programmed from... from <laughs> Speaking of latchkey children. <laughs> uh, well, that was fun. Thank you for bringing those ice creams. Should yeah. we run those back up to the fridge? Yeah, I'll, or you... I'll, I'll put these. Okay. Very good. We'll just take a small break here. Giving our... Giving ourselves some applause there on the way after our break. Well done. Well done, first segment. Not related at all to the 1992 TV movie Body Language. Oh, right. Um, so, yes, this movie is available completely on YouTube um, by uh, there's an uploader and then there's a person who originally digitized this. And the, the, the watermark that every once in a while comes on screen is Movie Man Fitness Fan. So, yes, yeah, shout out to right. him for Movie Man. N foot and fitness fan. It's, oh, it's, really? N- it's two N's, and so it is either is his last name is Man with two N's or Movie Man. Oh yeah, f- in, fitness in, fan. In fitness fan. Oh, yeah, that's true. I guess I I, I didn't I didn't delve too much into that. Uh, but yeah, this movie is available in glorious 240p, which made a lot of the uh, scenic parts of it not very exciting. But we that's, start off that's with all you want, really. Claire, <laughs> yes. like, Claire is a potato. A, a nice haze over the city. That's all but the peas you want. It's we do get some nice waterfront. Uh, waterfront shots there's a little jogging on the on the front but most of it takes place in and i was kind of uh, impressed because they didn't build a set and just use exteriors it took place in 
I don't know which building this was. It's one of the main ones downtown, but I didn't know if it had it. They called it, what did they call it in this movie? They called it the Orpheus building, the 17th oh, yeah. floor. And I don't believe that we have the an Orpheus, Orpheus building. building. And yes, yeah, so this it, movie, while shot in Portland and you see Portland not set in Portland, it is an unmentioned shame yeah. city that they're just filling it in for, which was kind of funny because a lot of this movie reminded me of Mad Libs because even trying to figure out what the company that Heather Locklear is an executive for does, it was like a blank that does blank in the blank, a company that does business in the city. So they're having lots of business, busy business meetings with charts and graphs. And I need more graphs. I need more graphs. So why don't you, Brian, read the, um, the back of the VHS box that this came in. Uh, for our little summary, which is always a good sign that it was at some point released on yeah, the by Paramount. By Paramount. Okay, <clears throat> let's see if this jives with the uh, the movie that we actually watched. A body for sin and a mind for murder. Newly promoted junior executive Betsy Freeze is on the fast track to corporate success, but Betsy's professional accomplishments have not come without a personal price: the breakup of her relationship with her boyfriend Victor. Betsy's new secretary, Norma Suffield, is the boss's dream come true, efficient, responsible, and trustworthy. But Betsy's suspicions are raised when Norma undergoes a strange transformation, patterning herself in the very image of Betsy. When Betsy discovers Norma has been dating Victor and sabotaging the company's biggest accounts, she realizes Norma is after more than her image. She's after her life. Like single white female body language is a spine tingle. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Surprises. It it says the quiet things out loud. <laughs> <laughs> the quiet part out loud. It was the the filmmaker's shame exploding out of their subconscious onto the thing. That's uh, funny. So yeah, it 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 is calling itself out, I suppose. Um, also shouting out, I guess this would be before or, or right before Reservoir Dogs maybe, but this movie is all about the Quentin Tarantino foot fetish because like the entire first five what? minutes is just like following women's feet around the office and like putting on a shoe and then going over there and then walking and then you see the secretary and then later when you see the secretary get killed you see her feet and then later in the movie it's slipping on these shoes i'm like calm down like what's <laughs> happening here takes one to know one right <laughs> <laughs> it just fascinates me guys i'm just curious <laughs> but it was really funny yeah that whole opening scene is just nothing brian's watching it now just starting on feet and then looking up and um, and Heather Locklear dictating things into a into a tiny tape recorder is a is a big part of the running time of this movie. So, well, Mark, you liked you enjoyed, I, I enjoyed this. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. this movie. It it did it had twists and turns that were a hundred percent predictable, <laughs> uh, and so there were no surprises at all. It, it did laid... not feel like a twenty twenty three movie. Like no, you would never, never see, see a movie this. played this. Well, at first, story. the YouTube link says two thousand. 2016 2016 and i was like oh and then so i started watching i'm like this movie is not not <laughs> so I, they must have uploaded it i guess maybe in 2016 what is kind of a weird no. thing to well, actually to put on there but um yeah i forget yeah, yeah so it um it has <laughs> interesting moments it was well shot i i enjoyed the acting or whatever like it, it was a competent movie yeah and uh 
and there were plenty of Portland scenes from the same vantage point. They like got a day down at the waterfront and filmed like 16 scenes there <laughs> yes. all at the same Yeah, rail, a lot of this took place on the, out south, the, same the marina yeah. um, area, which yeah, they were just constantly walking up and down the little <laughs> stairs to the marina. And at one point, the lady even says like, you missed your cue. This is where we kissed the first time. <laughs> and and so like clearly they were exactly in the same spot and they were kind of calling that out right. in, in the script itself. I think they went to the Oregon film office and they're like, yes, we would like yeah. your made for TV movie scenic package, please. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the greatest hits. Yeah. They do specifically call out David Wilson from the Oregon film. And I thought it was funny. There was another one at the very end of the credits. They think uh, David Wilson, the Oregon film, uh, uh, commission and then the producers wish to thank the people of Oregon for their cooperation. <laughs> all right, perfect. <laughs> uh, heartfelt, I guess. I feel thanked. We co- we all cooperated to let this happen, I guess. Yeah. So, big picture. Do we want to talk about the the big picture plot? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, uh, so, so Heather Locklear's character is Betsy, and she is a new executive. She just completed executive training. <laughs> And uh, and I have follow up questions about that. But, yeah, we will get that. (laughs) There's so many questions I have. She then after going through executive training at this corporation meets the president for the first time. Right. Oh, I missed that. (laughs) Hi, boss. I'm Bob. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Good to see you. Oh, the training had great things to say about you. I didn't see you come in. (laughs) Right. Uh, And so she has a boyfriend and the boyfriend is really miffed that she has a a job that takes so much of her time. And and she's had to cancel dinner uh, twice. And, uh, and... (laughs) So, Mark, it, you're you're showing your true colors that you've never lived life with a workaholic before, right? <laughs> and your privilege is showing. But uh, we, she has a very ambitious, very competent uh, secretary that works for her, her corporate assistant, her executive assistant, Norma. Norma and Norma, you know. Has a lot of accolades. Oh, you're a rock star around here. Everybody's excited to be. You know, all, there's all more stuff. feet. More feet. I was at the same scene as you showed before. Well, yeah. It's just well, it, see the feet thing is showing that they have the same shoes. Oh, okay. So the, the, it was a tie. Well, still, it was a, okay. <laughs> a lot of feet. There was a little, <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of feet. So Norma uh, is the executive assistant, and. Uh, piece by piece we see norma take on the betsy characteristics because norma really wants, wants to be in the executive training she wants she to has be applied several betsy. times but you know what she just doesn't have it she doesn't have what according it takes. to the boss she does not have what she it takes doesn't have what it takes whatever it but is. She's got a good attitude. That's right. Uh, and she puts out. She, puts out. she does put out. So this movie is so misogynistic in so well, many ways. Uh, I have so many. It's I wrote down at the I wrote down at the end that it's just another one of those 
early 90s thrillers especially that were just an indictment against working women like right. how dangerous like disclosure it's so dangerous now that women can just not be sexually harassed by us quietly or whatever like it was so dangerous the powerful business focused right. woman that it will literally bring murder into your office if you, if well, you I mean, have the, them. the quote at the beginning of the show sums it all up yeah, if you don't want to take your, what does it say? If you want to survive with uh, here without pulling your panties down, you better pull them up. <laughs> it's just it, it, that is a pretty great line. Yeah, and and <laughs> so that one down for later. I know. <laughs> so Norma orchestrates the breakup of the boyfriend, and she starts boffing the boyfriend. And then the didn't we already watch this movie? Wasn't there another movie with the same probably? Plot? <laughs> That we've the, done. The temp? Well, what and the that's temp the, oh, the temp. That's right. I want to have to. That was with um, Laura von Boyle. Uh, Boyle. Yeah. I have to look back, but yeah, that was kind I feel of like a similar some sort of impersonation. And I mean, and, and that's Get the thing about the same way. Yeah, there are, uh, these, uh, as you were saying earlier, Mark, where it's competent, the actors are fine. You know, it it's it's fine. You know, right. and that's I think the theme it, of these TV movies. You just described ninety eight percent of this movie. The other two percent are just had me screaming at the TV like what is going on <laughs> yes. I, I, and just, oh you mean when they found a dead body in the freezer and, and they just they never, never brought it up for the yeah, rest of it yes I, I'm talking about in that. the freezer of the office they all work in like Goonies right. style wrapped up in a plastic bag <laughs> yeah never mention it again never have issues with security or towards the end of the movie when she gives her she she gives her notice and quits uh, midday, but she continues working until the, the uh, midnight. Uh, yes, uh, cleaning uh, out her desk of like three picture frames. After the rest of the office is closed. After the rest of the office is closed, but the boyfriend can mosey on in uh, to the murder scene place <laughs> to be uh, killed by nobody... the fortress of solitude. A, nope. ch- a chunk from the fortress of solitude, gem. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so there's oh, there's there's funny. a lot of there like, is a lot going a lot on of here. holes in this plot well but. so and in the very first scene like i said um we're shown this office kind of a walk through the office all the busy people doing busy business work and we get to the secretary's desk then later um we come back and it's evening there's no one there <clears throat> except for the secretary and the camera kind of creeps behind her again looking at her feet she gets strangled so the secretary to the executive gets strangled so now heather locklear is new in the executive position and she also has this new secretary norma and so yeah it, it plays out like single white female but i couldn't figure out if norma if norma's goal was simply to become an executive or was norma's goal to become heather locklear i was confused 100 percent to be heather locklear okay you don't use somebody's toothbrush <laughs> And toothpaste in their apartment. If you want to be to have their job, you want to. Oh, be well, I have her. some people to call. Would, well, it, like, why did she choose Heather Locklear? Like, did she have this plan? Well, clearly she did have the plan because later we found out that uh, she had written a note yep. requesting herself to be the uh, secretary for from Heather Locklear. But yeah, we never but... heard about like how how she, she found Heather. I mean, she her... did say so. Heather Locklear walks in on her first day and meets Norma. Norma's encouraging her um, because she was there a little bit before because <laughs> the other secretary got murdered um, and was like, oh, we've all been a buzz. You're the first female 
the first female executive that this company has ever had. And so we're all pulling for you or whatever Norma says. You're kind and of a so, rock star around here. Yeah. So she must have known, oh, Heather Locklear is coming up. So if I can't be in the see, and that's what I couldn't figure out either, because if her goal, which clearly she's been trying over and over to get to the executive training is to be an executive like Heather Locklear. Did it look it seemed like at this business, the trajectory was to go from secretary to executive yes and if heather locklear just wasn't there right then norma could move up and i'm <clears throat> and, and, and granted i have not worked in a lot of busy businesses <laughs> but i did not know that that was maybe that's why i never climbed the corporate ladder i was never <laughs> yeah, never i was never a secretary for first. executive uh <laughs> so did her motivation training. change like initially she just wanted to be an executive, but then she f found out about Heather Locklear and then that's what I couldn't decide that she wanted to be Heather Locklear. Right. Yeah. And I and couldn't she'd been, been screwing the president. The, you know, Norma yeah, had been screwing the president for a while trying to get to be into, but she the just executive executive doesn't, she doesn't have, have what it takes. takes. Have what it takes, but she's got a great attitude. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Um, so the, yeah, the first time we kind of get any um, any kind of inkling as to something going on is one day Heather Locklear needs to do some business with a blue folder and is looking all over the blue, blue folder. She swear, oh, I had it here somewhere. Blah blah blah. Norma, have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it or anything. And oh, Heather Locklear must have left it at home. Norma, can you swing by the house and go pick it up? And so Norma's like, of course I will, because I'm a secretary. And so she goes to Heather Locklear's house, and then we see her just kind of creep around the house. She touches, she drinks out of her coffee mug, snuggles her pillow, and then walks into the bathroom and, like, picks up her toothbrush. Feels it. Feels it. And then it is implied that she, later, that she has used it because it's wet later. And does all the sorts of things. It's clear that she has had the blue folder all the time at this point just because of what she's doing. And she's about so she spends a couple minutes walking around the apartment and then goes back to leave. And then before she leaves, she goes, oh, wait, walks all the way back to the coffee table, takes the blue folder out of her purse, which she's had the whole time, sets it down on the table and says, oh, there it is. And then picks it up to go as if she's being watched or will be questioned. <laughs> I, like it was such a weird a weird thing, but maybe it was just so the audience she knows. She didn't want that, to confuse the audience. Yeah, that right. the whole time or whatever. So And then she also pulls underwear out of her underwear. Yeah, yeah, and kind of fondles that a little bit. Yeah, and Heather Locklear gets home that night and finds the wet toothbrush and just uses it anyway. <laughs> but I mean by that point, the, 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 that was probably what, ten, ten thirty in the morning by the time I and guess, but the fact that it was there with the open toothpaste right next to it in uh, a spot that you would never I don't know. But yeah, that was pretty funny. So um well then Heather Locklear has to she's called away to Phoenix um and has to leave right away. And I couldn't and so Heather was supposed to have dinner with her boyfriend they're kind of on the rocks because he wants uh he wants her to pay more attention to him and not be so focused on work blah 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 and so there is some tension but they agree to have some dinner heather locklear gets called away last minute and has to so many like what this business does is 
constantly rush to catch an airplane because there's like several <laughs> scenes are like we got to wrap this up we got to get to the airport they're like constantly being being hustled off to the airport so heather locklear has to do that and but um, she'll be back later this evening yeah <laughs> and so has Nora says norma you need to call um Victor, my boyfriend, and tell him I'm not going to be there. And she, okay, I'll do that. Whatever. And she, uh, Norma uses that to impersonate her later. And I couldn't figure out a why Heather Locklear couldn't just like use a cell phone or call from somewhere. Well, it's '92. There's not a lot of cell phones. But they're busy business then. They should have car phones. They should have car phones. Um, what with all the business this business does, <laughs> it's time to invest in this business. Um, I couldn't figure out if Norma arranged somehow arranged for Heather Locklear to get called away like that. Like in, in a real movie like this, she would have more machinations instead of just kind of. And so I, I wasn't clear and I was like, well, it's not possible that Norma would like be able to make this meeting in Phoenix happen that all these. So it was just, yeah, it was a lot of kind of messy areas like that where I couldn't figure out where we're going. And by that time, Norma had had her, stylist her hairstylist do her hair just like her so that when she's at goes to the bar that they're supposed to meet at the boyfriend oh there you are betsy i didn't see betsy, you come in i didn't see you. oh 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 Hi. well my name is betsy or whatever so right. that's when normal starts calling herself betsy and starts dating victor kind of on the down low um um, so yeah, then I asked, I kept asking, is she doing this just to get ahead or because she wants to be Betsy because now she's dating Victor, which isn't necessarily going to help her get a job, but is helping her become more like, um, Betsy. There was a point where, um, so because of the last minute cancellation, again, Betsy and Victor break up and, we see Heather Locklear kind of lonely in her apartment. She tried to call a friend. She call, tries to call her family. No one's there. And so it's kind of like laying in bed, being a little sad. And we pan out the window into the middle of the street where Norma is just standing there, like illuminated by a street light in the middle of the street, staring up at the window. And I'm like, well, how much of this is she control? Like, what was her plan? Did she get dressed up just to, stare into heather locklear's window was she doing something else was she it was so funny um as oh did you have something no no much like this movie it just keeps moving on um so heather's heather locklear's boss now is starting to hit on her at work but she's also being sabotaged by norma as we see in the busy business meeting that the businessmen have because Heather Locklear is trying to give a presentation, but all of the charts and graphs in appendix a are missing and appendix a yeah, are missing from the presentation and she's flustered, but gets through it. And even the client says, Oh, like these numbers are good, but the boss has had it because uh, she turned down the boss or whatever. And the boss is, I wondered if the boss maybe just couldn't read and was hiding for it. Because he's like, <laughs> all the pictures are missing. I How need- am I? I need more graphs. How am I supposed to figure what how, what this means? And so, yeah, she gets shamed and she runs to Betsy or runs to Norma and is like, oh, I could have swore. Did anything, did anyone else take this? Did anyone have access to these? Like, why are these all wrong? Betsy's like, well, no, or Norma said, I checked him and I checked him twice and I can't figure out what's going on. And 
they start having that sort of conversation. And then she has to run. The company had to quick run to the airport after that. Um, and that's when Norma kind of finds out that the boss has been also has been hitting on on Heather. And also at the moment where I wrote, wow, I'm only halfway through. And even at one point five speed, this is excruciating. <laughs> oh, what did the um, murder scene look like at one point five speed? Oh, <laughs> so toward the end of the movie where it's all coming to a head, they're having they're they're in this the abandoned office that Heather Locklear is cleaning at her desk from. <clears throat> Norma sneaks in, kills the boss. Um, oh no no, that's the detective I'm thinking of. So the detective, yeah, yeah. there's a detective through all this that is showing up, investigating the murder of the original um, secretary and trying to put all the things together. And at some point, that detective finds Norma's house, um, shows up there, interviews her, is kind of walking around her house, and all of a sudden we see Norma, yes, much like much like Norman in Psycho, pop up from behind him and stab him, except as she's stabbing him, it slows, like, it, for two or three frames. Right. It's like they... Um... Put, put it in slow motion, but they did not film it in slow motion. Yes. It's, it's, and it's like it three, looked three frames per second. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was oddly blurry and it wasn't, it was just for those like scant seconds. And like it, it wasn't. It, it was one of those moments though that just came out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Much like her with a butcher knife. And I <laughs> wondered after seeing because it was so jarring. And I wondered if it was because played at full speed it wasn't reading it, it looked to cheesy. the audience at mu- as much or it was too fast or like it was they were worried people would miss it or whatever but yeah it was weird right when she was brandishing it coming down it just turned into that weird <laughs> slow motion for a couple frames um that's is. when she killed the yeah when <laughs> it's so it's it so weird. weird looking in a movie that otherwise has not done any sort of and then she has to stand there with the knife held up. Oh, there's her feet again. So what, how shoes. they filmed that when she came down with the knife, they had um, like an intern crouch down and so she went like this. Yeah, and then yeah. he just went <laughs> with some blood. <laughs> yeah. Handing off a new knife to him. Um, so the detective gets murdered and nobody ever mentions that we never like, hear from the police the again police, in any capacity she calls the police later have the detective meet me at the oh, yeah. precinct and they don't bother to say oh he's dead he's, he's <laughs> been <laughs> murdered <laughs> she did he's call him missing. after <laughs> after that um it, another very 90s thing about this is the gigantic loft apartment that victor uh, yeah. lives in oh you in. mean the same loft apartment in in every movie from this decade that was <laughs> yes. filmed in portland and it had an enormous it was almost like its own room shower set up so, so i feel yes. like it was the same um loft apartment from uh the one with uh ed harris uh, the last, oh, yeah, the, the last, last innocent, innocent man. man, and then I feel like the office was the same office from Extraordinary Measures. Yes, <laughs> it is the building. Their office building is that one that's downtown. That's kind of the the white one. No, it. I think it's the one that has like a row of black windows and then the darker marble, like reddish marble, and it's just kind of every other window. Like, and I don't know what that building is called, but it's one of the big ones down uh, downtown that everybody recognizes. But yeah, they shot inside of that, so you always looked out the window. Uh, which was kind of nice instead of it being on a set. Did you recognize any other buildings or places? 
Uh, not specifically. They showed several outdoor scenes as we're going into the, the building. We saw the south waterfront, which we don't see all that often. Right. Well, and I wondered if there's a little bit, there's a part where there was a hotel that they kind of walked into that had a, this circular awning thing. And I wondered if if that was in, in yeah, Old Yeah, that's Town. the one. No, no, that's the one at the uh, south waterfront. Oh, okay, okay. Where okay. that restaurant uh, on the And I thought was... at one point it looked like the Portland sign, the oh, yeah, schnitzer were, was behind the schnitz, them, yeah, but it was were, so blurry and Broadway. it looked like one of the letters was cut off. So I couldn't quite, yeah, that was couldn't there. quite make it out. Um, I felt like the... Uh, it was hard to tell because there wasn't they didn't show any like overhead shots or um but the uh restaurant where they uh had dinner um when the boy uh, victor and uh, norma have dinner at the the first time right it felt like the portland city grill oh maybe that could be and he and victor works in a restaurant too but i was assuming that was also at the south waterfront because it was kind of a smaller little bistro looking things probably um so i I couldn't quite figure out what victor's job was either but he has a like a best friend at work that's trying to help him get over his breakup with heather locklear and then gets confused because norma starts calling herself betsy and and trying to become become her there was a scene so at the very end well heather locklear is, is is slowly putting this all together because she goes to her hairdresser her and her hairdresser is like, oh, when your friends came in and she wanted the same thing and let me look it up in my book. And, oh, that's weird. She called herself Betsy, too. And Heather Locklear is like, well, I don't know anyone else named Betsy. And then she gets a charge from one of the department stores where Russ Fast works that somebody bought a dress. And she's like, well, I didn't buy it. And then, like, we saw earlier that Norma had charged it to to Betsy's account because she knew all the information. And so... Yeah, I think that's the office building yeah. okay. that they work in, but I don't know what that one's called. It's at the base of like the Morrison Bridge or something. That's exactly how I was going to just describe it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the it's not striped necessarily, but it's kind of alternates black windows and then a darker a darker marble. Um, oh, the hairdresser, and so, and and then the the store that that she buys a dress. So Heather Locklear is slowly catching on, but still can't quite figure out what's going on. And then at some point, so all this movie, um, Heather Locklear is dictating into one of the mini cassette tapes. And I guess that was so the secretary Norma could type things up or was she? Yes. Okay. And at the end, like there's so much of it, even Norma at the end was like, wow, you're quite prolific with all of that because you're asking for more tapes. And Heather Locklear ends up opening Norma's desk to see that all of her old tapes were in there and that Norma was constantly listening to them. And I was, I guess I was wondering about the protocol. Like, wouldn't you save all those old tapes just for like, yeah. you wouldn't just use the same ones over and over and tape over them. That struck me as odd too. So yeah, but yeah. it was funny that the secretary is like, wow, you're talking to that thing <laughs> a lot. Uh, period. Did you find it, Mark? Yeah. It's the Umpqua bank building. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay, uh, right. just off the the Hawthorne Bridge. Oh yeah, there we yeah. go. Right at right yeah, right at the the waterfront yep. part. And that's yeah. the hotel right there, the round. Yep, that makes sense because it yep. was all all in that little that area. That looks there. right down. So their views though are more from over here mm-hmm. because they look out over the uh, the marina and onto the Ross Island. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Or not Ross. And the, you could the, see a couple times some buildings in the background, but so not I a lot of them. I think so. that they probably film from inside of one of these over here. Oh, maybe. Not from over there. That's huh. my thoughts. Well, it's too blurry to ever figure out, and I am I am not putting <laughs> any more work into it. <laughs> um, I did think it was sad, though, that Norma was actively trying to sleep her way to the top and was still not getting there. I was like, that's a... <laughs> That's a tragic she life just story. She doesn't have it. She just doesn't have what it takes. Oh, there's another thing. So I was watching this. Um, I watched it the first time regular speed, but then last night when I watched it again, it was 1.5 speed. And so I put on the um, subtitles. And maybe, Mark, is there sound hooked up to that as well? Yeah. So I find like maybe at the end where they're having the office, like there's hunting each other in the office or whatever that final scene is because I wanted to get to a little bit of the music because every time this music there she is with her chunk of fortune the fortress of solitude kryptonite (laughs) her white kryptonite because the subtitles kept saying like usually they'll say in brackets like music or whatever Applause. And because yes, yes, it kept saying applause, applause. music so, because the synth like it's such bad yeah. quality the synth is degraded. Uh, and this this doesn't have the subtitles. Uh, okay, this well, yeah, is, uh, downloaded the video. So yeah, the oh. music the music was just very very generic. Um, but YouTube thought it was applause. YouTube thought it was applause and music. Yeah, that. With regard to the operations in Phoenix, comma Dallas, comma and Denver, comma. Oh, so that's Norma reading that, so she can... Yeah, that was also the excuse she can... Full stop. Full stop. Can someone explain full stop? That, that's what a period... That's like a telegram. Yeah, it's the telegram e- uh, equivalent yeah. of... I don't know why can't you just can't say period. So yeah, she was Norma was practicing Betsy's signature, like all the things. And again, unclear whether it was just like... If 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 her plan so had she okay <laughs> let me get a hold of myself so Norma's quote unquote plan I'm trying to see it from Norma's eyes she clearly wants to be an executive so that's part of it and and I could believe that she was caught up because she couldn't become an executive she was then caught up well I'll be this person I'll be Betsy and then I will be able I then I'll have what it takes or whatever because she asked the boss too like what does she have that I don't have. So Norma's plan then, did she originally plan to kill anyone besides the original secretary? Like, let's say no one was ever on to her about that. Did she want to kill Heather Locklear eventually? Or is it just because her plan was unraveling? Yeah, I, Be- I don't know exactly. But, but when Heather Locklear quit... It really threw a wrench into her, into Norma's plan. Right, and, and so she's like, "No, no, no, you you can't quit yet. No, no, it's too I early. Have too much to learn. There's too many. No, it's like, and so she clearly had a sequence of events lined out, which seems weird because if Heather Locklear wasn't there, although I, maybe her plan was both to endear herself to Heather Locklear and kind of behind the scenes impersonate her to get into the inner circle more maybe and then take over but yeah i thought it was very strange i'm like well with betsy out of the way with heather locklear out of the way that would it's going to be much easier for you just to become the executive although she just does not have what it takes i don't her attitude's great though that's going to be on her uh, gravestone <laughs> did, did not. not have what it takes 
It's just on one of those big banners that they print out at the. At the <laughs> is it good for the company? She doesn't have what it takes. Um. <laughs> I'm gonna get Linda Pearl's autograph. Get her to sign something and then write. I did not have what it takes. I wonder if she does Comic Cons. Probably at this point. Uh, you know who I saw doing a Comic Con and good for him. Do you remember in Revenge of the Sith when Order sixty six is executed and they start murdering all the Jedi? Anakin Skywalker marches into the Jedi Council. Into the place where all the younglings are, and there's that little blonde-haired boy who's like, "Master Anakin, please to be not murdering us all," or whatever he says. And then, which is my favorite shot, I think, and the best acting, I think, of all the prequels, is you see the little boy standing there, and then you see Anakin's hand come down and the lightsaber come uh-huh. on, and that boy does a little like, a little shudder backwards, a little like generally terrified look which is again the best acting in all of the prequels <laughs> that kid can now be found doing the comic-con circuit that doesn't surprise me at all because which is like amazing you know there's people that were just were a cantina alien <laughs> that are doing the con circuit <laughs> the old lady who's like storm's coming in annie or whatever before the sandstorm but yeah good for him and good for his acting i've always appreciated that kid um let's see what did you think of the fight scene at the very end? The uh, girl fight? So, <laughs> there, this wasn't a big office. Oh, or wasn't it? <laughs> but it took 20 minutes <laughs> for the person to walk across the room. So, Norma is across the office killing the boss, and Heather Locklear is in her office unraveling the mystery or whatever. The boss gets killed by the big chunk of pyrite or whatever that stuff is paperweight and starts slowly walking across the office to where Heather Locklear is and it takes a good yeah 5, 10, 20 minutes for her to saunter I'm like how big is the did she take a are they on a different floor that they had to take the escalator or um, oh so there's the um, there's big, big paint behind them so um, be able to... So I thought it was a little further. I thought it was off the more the Hawthorne Bridge, but I thought it was this building. Yeah, it's. Or is that the Justice Center? No, that's not. To me, though, that fight scene at the end felt like a parody of a fight scene. <laughs> there was a lot of tussling, yeah. and then they they rolled over like six times, and then yeah, and then finally, because Heather Lockney had armed herself with a scissors, and then Norma has the big chunk of gem, and they go at each other and roll around, and then the scissors gets lost, and then Norma comes lunging in, and at the last minute, Heather Locklear grabs the scissors, and Norma impales herself on it, and then fi- oh, and then so Norma gets stabbed right there, rolls off of her. Is bleeding out, and Norma says, um, I, wrote it down. I thought we were friends. <laughs> what happened to Baby Jane style? <laughs> All this time, we could have been friends. All this time, we could have um, been friends. And then, so I guess, yeah, that also kind of calls in the question. I guess she didn't see Betsy Heather Locklear as an enemy to her plan, but I still, I can't, I mean. After a while, you'd be, I mean, even Heather Locklear found out, it was like, oh, she's stealing my identity and buying this stuff. Like, 
those things don't jibe. Like we were friends, but I'm also becoming you and using your toothbrush and touching your underwear. So maybe she's just not, I guess this is a a harrowing example of of mental illness. You know, a more practical plan would have been to uh, be able to impersonate her to the point where she could uh, attend meetings for her and, you know, uh, right. Do work because a couple people, when she's turned away, even Victor at the end, when he shows up to the darkened, uh, office building thinks that she is Betsy as like, bet. well, I guess he thinks everyone is Betsy Bet- at this point. Betsy? Thinks is the other Betsy. <laughs> um, I did like when, uh, Victor's friend is like, Oh, is that from the, uh, the new or the old Betsy? <laughs> Yes, he's like, I think it's the new one. Not a big fan of this new one. Yeah, because she was getting very clingy and strange with him, too. Um, Mark, I, I can show you guys uh, the moment this movie ran out of budget. Ooh, oh. do, do tell. Go on. Uh, if you want to pull it back up, Mark, and go okay. to the, the very end, like five seconds before the credits roll. So that, like, going back to that office shot there, that maybe looks like just before the justice, the new justice center was built. Looking in that direction, do we still think it's that one building on the waterfront or the one that's closer? I'm. Um, further investigation is required. Further investigation okay. is required. We'll we'll get the dead det- <laughs> the detective that died in this movie on that right away. <laughs> it was insane though that at one point I thought it was strange because in the middle of the movie when Heather uh, Locklear is kind of creeping around the office after everyone that's left has left he's <laughs> still attacking each other rolling around <laughs> two women in power suits nope oh, oh and rolling t- back total parody of a fight scene <laughs> between two women <laughs> dressed as each other yeah <laughs> feels like a scene from the naked gun I was just yeah. gonna say it, it feels very naked gun and she died. I thought we were friends. <laughs> but, uh, what? Mac and cheese? Mac and cheese. Ice cream. But he's fine. He's Victor. Okay, so uh, yeah, just w- when the movie ends, just notice how abruptly it ends. Oh, oh, finally the police come. They, is that a Spielberg in. zoom? Yep. Yeah, they, How uh, dare they? And that's very Hitchcockian zoom. Yes. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Executive for Dan Gerkis. Gerskis. Like we were, we were going to have another scene in the hospital. At, no. <laughs> to show that he nope. recovered. Yeah. For all we know, he could have died on the way to it. <laughs> That's the little addendum. <laughs> there was Victor there was, died of his wounds. There was literally a man on this side with a stopwatch being like, and budget. <laughs> <laughs> we are out of film. Budget and time. <laughs> Lifetime needs to. All right. To... <laughs> close enough. We got it. And that's a wrap. <laughs> Uh, so as far as the TV movies that we have covered on this movie, where is it? Where does it land? The exact middle. 
<laughs> the blandest middle. This and all of them sort of end up there, don't they? I, like I can't. <laughs> it's a, they're all like uh, um, it, it's like a cell in how it forms a hydrophobic. Uh, they, they just all want to go to the inside. <laughs> yeah. A, 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 an ionic rea- <laughs> attraction. A bilipid layer, hydrophobic bilipid <laughs> layer, where nobody wants to face the extremes. <laughs> <laughs> only mediocrity can thrive within uh yeah and that's kind of what i figured other than the fact that it is heather locklear and and i was also there is one quasi romantic scene where victor and norma um have sex while heather locklear is doing like alone or whatever she's doing what well, she's, no, she she's being she's seduced being seduced by yeah. the ceo yes that's yeah they the intercut Sorry. In between her being harassed by the I executive. have a C- CEO to answer to. Yeah, yeah. In my pants. <laughs> In my pants. <laughs> he, he was, I mean, very 80s blatant, ap- like after the, the charade dropped about what needed to happen. <laughs> In my book, any, <laughs> any executive's an executive. Like, but the undertone was like, even if you got tits, I'll still work with you. Yeah. You know, kind of. <laughs> Like, I'm so was, 80s woke. Uh, right. It was so <laughs> problematic. It was so terrible. Uh, and he does at one point say, tell tell Norma that all of all you women are the same or whatever, right. you are interchangeable in my eyes. Um, but there, I was a little surprised if it was for Lifetime that it wasn't a little sexier, you know, especially with Heather Locklear, who was just dressed right. in nothing but power suits and giant hair this whole time, which yeah. is there are a handful of comments in the uh, uh, YouTube upload of oh. people. Some people saying that it was Lifetime and some people saying it was USA. OK, well, oh, OK, I guess there's a fight because it didn't say either way. But um, I imagine it was just made and then sold to whoever it was <laughs> made specifically for a channel. So maybe they were trying to ride the line between the two. But Again, another movie. If you're just folding laundry or doing whatever around the house, having something on in the in the background, I think it does that job, uh, and 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 not a lot, not a lot else. Any any last thoughts about? Well, oh yeah, okay. So here's our last thought. So after all of that, why is this movie called Body Language? <laughs> I, the body only thing language. I can think is that, like, if you were trying to impersonate someone, body language is uh, an aspect of a person that you would need to emulate. Right. Yeah. And that's very, and especially since they were trying to ape single white females so much, I'm surprised that it wasn't closer to something like that. Right. Like, I don't know, Doppelganger. Although that was already a movie in 1992 with Drew Barrymore. <laughs> um, so yeah body language makes no sense of, like it's not a body heat which was a, no. a super popular movie but that was like super sexy and hot and this was not that at all huh nope what, what, okay so what should it have been called um, probably one of those phrases uh, fatal let, let's go back to uh, fatal instinct <laughs> So there's a uh, section on IMDb that lists all of the different taglines for this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, good idea. <clears throat> what were they? Tag, it is interesting that TV video. movies at that point could be released onto video. That's so wild to me. Oh, uh, looks do kill. That would be a good Oh, title. that's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> Look, looks can kill. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, there we go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Let's read you. Uh, even that, much like most like much like the movie, was underwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I, I, I got it, Todd. I would call okay. it "Edge of Tomorrow: Colon Looks Can Kill." <laughs> That deserves a clap, even, <laughs> <laughs> even if it's too deep a, a cut. That's that's really funny. Well, that leads us into what we are getting to next month. We have now dabbled our toe into the pool of sexy thriller, and next month are we'll we be jumping the, in. We are jumping the in end? the deep end with the sexiest thriller of them all, 1992's. Body of evidence. evidence. Ooh, sticking with, with the body theme. But sticking with the body theme, doing all of that. Um, a movie whose existence uh, prompted the existence of this very podcast. This podcast is the is the bastard child of Halloween Town and Body of Evidence because we were talking about when you were the grand marshal for the parade and we were like, Oh funny. That was filmed here. Oh, what was that? Free Willie was here. Oh, body, body of evidence. evidence. I've always wanted to talk about that. And we're like, well, why don't we do all Portland movies? Not knowing what we would, <laughs> what prison we would <laughs> exile ourselves to for the next five <laughs> years. Um, but what a journey it has been. And so yes, next month will be body of evidence. And so I'm going to, brush up on my other sexy thrillers of the time like sliver and disclosure i'd seen recently because i did it on how this get made um but there was, was just sliver whole... the one with all the the cameras and the I, I don't think i ever saw it, but yeah it was that one there's just yeah. cameras and william baldwin right <laughs> so and sharon stone nice. so yeah that and and of course the the grandmother of them all which is basic instinct and fatal attraction so Stay tuned. Yes, and then February to the month of love uh, with Valentine's Day. So, thank you for listening. Um, uh, the Unipiper. Is there anything coming up that you would like the people to know? Uh, it's a little ways off, but uh, you and I will be at the uh, Mid Valley Comic Art Expo. I think it's called the one and only. Yeah, sa- essentially Salem, Oregon Comic Con. Yeah, fun. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> we will find out what that's like. Fun, uh, Mark. Anything else that you need the people to know? To no, know about? no. You and I uh, still do the Mark and Todd cast, and uh, you can find us at markandtoddcast.com. Perfect, perfect. Um, you can hear us on Fun Employment Radio. Tune into them. Um, uh, oh, Sarah just got a job at OPB. I heard she's filling. So, yeah, back back on terrestrial radio, as they say, which is fun to see. This uh, where she she began to so. Uh, uh, Greg is at Fox 12 Oregon and and now Sarah at OPB so but they are still doing fun employment radio every day so listen to Sorry. them um, other than that we will take you out with the music that happens over the credit the music and or applause that happens uh, <laughs> over the credits uh, over the credits of this movie thank you for listening thank you <laughs>